Hey, this is Kanishka. Uh, welcome back to our podcast, The Vital Truth. I also have Sharad with me. Hey, everybody. So we're back after a little bit of a break. Um, you could call this the season two. Um, we took a season break without telling anybody. Um, I guess that's how it works with uh, really interesting things. You just go away, disappear and leave people longing for more. But uh, jokes apart, we took a break because uh, we got involved in a couple of things that uh, took us by storm, if you may. I started studying a bit. I deep dived into public policy a little bit, into the development sector a little bit and started understanding India a little more better. I guess that's going to help me do uh, a little more justice on the numbers and the philosophy behind why why things happen and you know why certain things happen a certain way um and hoping that will make the podcast series a little more interesting uh sharat also had certain things that he can talk about maybe yeah i mean not as interesting as what casey is doing but i've basically been busy with work child care and a bit of writing on the side so it's just yeah. been very hard to match our schedules but but looks like we did this time perfect so now that we are back again i think uh, that little bit of writing is um, a lot of writing because i've not <laughs> written um, you know uh, 15 pages to save my life i think he writes 15 pages a day uh, <laughs> to you know just uh, dump his thoughts somewhere so on that note let's talk about um, the topic that we have in hand uh, i think the last time that we were spoke speaking and uh, the last uh, conversation that we had uh, was about the media trials and um, the impact of uh, media trials on our um, on our narratives on our uh, psyche on how we um, start perceiving things and we ended that conversation by saying that we want to take on a much bigger uh, pie of the media trials which we didn't really touch upon last time which was how social media affected you um, how algorithms affected you and what was their role in our uh, national uh, conversation on a daily basis and that's why we wanted to spend uh, a lot of time thinking about what we wanted to bring to you and what we wanted to talk today um but more um more so uh, we wanted to talk about the dark angles uh, the dark layers behind algorithms today um so on that note the topic for the day is the dark algorithm and we will talk about how things have um, changed over the last 4 or 5 years and how algorithms have taken over our lives in various forms and shapes uh, across social media so we, before we jump in sharat the the few points that come to your mind when we talk about the dark algorithm okay so this is such a huge topic it's it's hard to know where to start right but yeah so i might be jumping five se- steps ahead but i think last time when we were talking about media trials we were talking about it maybe not directly but at least indirectly in the context of how does it affect our democracy or play within democracy right because the justice system is an integral part of democracy and then of course media is like you know one pillar supposedly in the i mean not officially but you know you consider it as a pillar in democracy right i think what we are dealing with right now is a new pillar or i don't know if it is replaced the old pillar of media or you know mm. made it bigger or is this a completely new thing i'm not sure but 
I think fundamentally we have we are kind of grappling with this issue where we have designed an entire society around uh, institutions which were meant to operate with you know you have the executive you have legislature yeah. like you know you have judiciary all that right and yeah. then you have media like acts as a uh, indirect form of check and balance by giving information and now you have this completely new pillar which none of these systems are accounted for right so every other pillar was in existence in some form or the other earlier even when our constitution was written you right. might not have had uh, cable tv but you still had like you know media and you had journalists you had newspapers right? yeah yeah so i don't think the the makers of our constitution or practically any constitution uh, ever accounted for a world where citizens are sharing information with each other uh, the way we are right now right yeah so i think this is a very complicated subject i think it's a disservice to it if we try to reduce it to something as simple as social media is good or social media is bad or everybody should get off social media or get on social media right i think this is like a paradigm shift in how things work and it is going to be messy and complicated but but hopefully what we can do today is talk about some of these aspects that we don't really think about and maybe come to terms with how can you personally use it in a in a more productive way without harming your mental health or uh, you know increasing anxiety or something something like that so i don't know if that's a tad over ambitious for one episode but but that's where my head is at no that's uh, that's not over ambitious that's impossible for an <laughs> so i i feel um yeah, that's a very way, good way of putting it i think um incrementally i feel that we align responsibility to all the four pillars because the media is responsible in our minds about how news is being reported on whether news is reported completely and what kind of uh, action was taken after the news was reported and what kind of coverage was uh, um you know provided to a particular topic and those things really matter to us i think i think we we go to bed thinking that these are four instruments of our uh civilization of what holds the civilization together outside of culture and religion and all that stuff which is very um you know vague in the way of responsibility yeah. but these have strict responsibilities and with the media going the way it has you correctly put it as in this is not another pillar i feel that this is substituted uh, the media pillar by a large degree in terms Or of that responsibility it. subsumed right. it yeah correct yeah. that's that's a better word to use here as in it subsumed it it's basically taken over the uh, mantle of providing you with information it's provided it's uh, in to some extent a large extent though uh, people won't say it aloud but it has made the newspaper redundant as in you don't really open up the newspaper to do what it is called for but it it there is the responsibility is not there there is nobody who's responsible for it uh, yeah. the social media uh, companies that run these platforms are responsible for making sure that um all the features of the platform are working um new features are introduced but is there a responsibility for what they share they say so but i've never seen it i've never seen them being responsible held responsible 
and i don't know for sure whether i want them to be responsible or not that's also a question that i think i don't yeah. know the answer for because do i want them to be you know um raided by the government of the day when something <laughs> goes wrong um do i want them to be scot free when they when i know that the information could have been blocked i don't know because uh, that hasn't been established so i i feel that's that's a very interesting topic to pick up on in to, in terms of talking about how they've subsumed the fourth pillar and what are their hence what are their responsibilities yeah i think that that's a very important uh, part of this to consider in terms of responsibility right like what are they responsible for more than are they responsible or not so i think if you ask anybody working in a social media company uh, mm. i i mean maybe they have a different opinion in private but i'm sure whether it is mark zuckerberg or anybody who works in facebook or or even like an average employee working in any of these companies if you ask them should social media companies be more responsible for people's well-being i'm sure they will say yes but mm. what is the extent of that responsibility and what are they responsible for mm. are they responsible for reducing harassment online are they responsible for reducing hate speech or fake bullying news. and fake news right yeah. or are they responsible for something as big as you know the fourth pillar or the upgraded fourth pillar of democracy do they see themselves that way right right i don't think they do i i know that after the trump election when facebook and all were used to manipulate the election yeah they did act like they did try to sort of weed out these russian profiles and all that but it is i think it is more like you know like how do you how do you say like say for example in your apartment society now now say a political party starts interfering in your apartment society uh, uses that platform to influence people people might throw them out and say that you know we can't have this here we just realized it and we threw you out right mm. but that is kind of like seeing this as a unnecessary or unexpected thing that came in and we just threw it out and that's it but are they really thinking about it as okay this is exactly how it's going to work the platform will be misused systematically it's not a one off incident it's not a case where somebody just came in and misused it but we are actually the fourth pillar and we will be used and misused i don't think any company right now is taking on that responsibility i don't think there is a ethosus for thinking that way like say a journalist maybe not uh, the arnab breed of journalist but traditionally a journalist somebody who studies to be a journalist will have certain ethical principles which they are at least supposed to follow right they they would have heard it in in college or something where okay you have to be neutral or you have to uh, like look at information in a certain way similarly doctors have like a hippocratic oath right that mm-hmm. you have to you are responsible it's not just the law you yeah. will take care of anybody i don't think that kind of a cultural system exists for social media companies and first of all who will you give it to right so journalists there are many these in terms of companies and employees okay you have a company you have employees in different functions you have hr you have software developers does a software developer in facebook think i am responsible for democracy i don't think so right so how do you solve that how do you i think the first step of solving that is identifying what they are responsible for and then figuring out okay how do you communicate it or make these people think of themselves as responsible and so yeah 
and i don't even think that is just limited to uh, social media i think a connection that i see is the gig economy right like your uber uh, swiggy all the delivery apps right? the marketplaces yeah so they are hmm. also kind of doing the same thing right so they came in they're saying that we are not employers of these people they are delivery partners they are uber partners or whatever you want to call it so hmm. we don't have to give them insurance we are not responsible we just facilitated it yeah that's exactly how social media companies also see themselves they are facilitating uh, a conversation to, yeah a exactly. connection yeah 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 but just like we are seeing with uber and swiggy and everything once those companies are employing uh, thousands of drivers or delivery partners and there is no other game in town then it's a it's a crime that they don't get insurance or they don't get any kind of benefits or even rules to protect them from exploitation right so mm. at some point you are a facilitator you are not the old fashioned employer but i think right now the all the gig economy companies should be in a different role similarly i think social media companies also have to stop acting like the gig economy of media and news and fake news and whatever and take more responsibility so no, that's a uh, these are interesting points i think you made a couple of points and i wanted to basically address a few associated points with it the first one that you made was that what's there so effectively in in case what's their responsibility around ethics around uh, like in doctors you take a hippocratic oath what what does the company who runs a social media do a uh, social media company do as in what do they do what's their ethical um, responsibility so in my opinion yes this this is uh, this was true in 2016 let's say it was true in 2015 but since then there have been multiple iterations of um, you know um, of um, of cases uh, public litigations um, congress uh, in the us taking uh, you know some amount of sumoto cognizance of the fact that there are certain things that have not gone right facebook or social media other players in this mix google as well um where had a role to play and what is their role are they doing their business uh, ethically are they taking into consideration the kind of studies that they should to understand the behavioral changes in their users and i feel that that ethical um, those ethical lines have have started to being drawn as in somebody is drawing them out and somebody is basically outlining that these are the rules to for you to play with but uh, that's not that's not one that is not universal as in there is no universal rule to it so effectively you don't know what you don't know uh, there's a double blind blindness to it and that dub, what you you know you don't know what you don't know is amplified with the fact that there are really sophisticated complex multi-layered algorithms behind each of these companies that we are talking about and those yeah. algorithms do one thing which they never used to do before 2015 or used to do very less of before 2015 uh was is the um you know entire world of personalization or running a recommendation engine now i'm bringing that recommendation engine in or that algorithm in because that i feel is at the crux of why they don't want to take a lot of responsibility and why it's basically shifting to a world where it is what you want 
rather than it is what i want to give you the the narrative is that when you're on social media when you basically consume media you're consuming what you want to consume you yeah. always have a choice and when you consume it you can choose to engage with it or you choose not to engage with it ultimately that's the crux of it so effectively every conversation there can boil down to the as you said in the gig economy but the gig economy worker uh, the person who's basically in uh, driving the car in uber or riding um, a bike for swiggy have to still play with some rules effectively but here there are no rules for the user himself yeah. the user is free to basically choose any kind of media and choose whatever they want to see they want to engage with amplify it post it and hence the user generated content bit the ugc content bit which is like a buzzword has been a buzzword for the last 10 years is one of the biggest pillars of this industry that it's the user who drives everything it's not us and when you basically do that it's easier to not have a conversation on um the repercussion of what you choose because ultimately what has come out multiple times is that the algorithm if left to its own creates a vile environment for you and i was coming to that later but let let's talk about what has happened over the last one month is that uh, since the whistleblower for uh, facebook came out in early september which was francis haugen she brought with her multiple research papers about how facebook knew of its really bad influences that it was happening ha- having on different markets uh, for different groups of people but chose not to do anything about it because if they did anything about it their growth will be challenged because the only way that they can continue to grow is to make this algorithm as um opaque as possible for people not to have a look for no transparency to happen about how algorithms work and let people play in this um subverted game of sorts where they think the choice is theirs but effectively the choice isn't one of yeah. those papers that um, uh, she released talked about an example talked about an experiment that was done in early 2019 in bangalore india is regarded as a major um, growth market for facebook and what the facebook researcher did in this case was they allowed a researcher to only engage with facebook recommendations for 21 days and what happened was that in 21 days the algorithm which was completely based on facebook recommendations this particular individual did not really uh, bring in outside interventions automatically became a 100% um um wall of hate speech beheadings deaths anti pakistan uh, rhetorics and uh, misinformation <laughs> in 21 days which means that e- even if you don't want to do anything if you don't want to basically engage with anything the recommendation engine will force you to go into a 
you know pool of uh, death and destruction automatically yeah and it's evident so if the choice is yours of what you need to engage with then effectively at some point of time there should be a cut off that it can't go beyond that but in this case it's evident that did not happen yeah that that's a very interesting i mean i i've read some of the revelations i didn't know about this particular example mm-hmm. but it matches very well with my own experience so so just to bring it back to our personal experiences with all the social media channels that most of us are part of right yes. so some something that i've noticed is on facebook uh, so there was a friend of mine uh, from college now she and i have very different political opinions okay so she would post uh like certain pro political party messages that i i saw a few times uh i think on and off but i don't remember seeing it all the time but i think once she posted something which really like you know annoyed me so so i commented on it right next time i logged into facebook i again saw a post from her uh which really annoyed me again so i again commented on it right so mm. maybe once or twice it happened so i don't know when the algorithm started doing it for me but pretty soon i kept seeing her post and i don't remember seeing her post before mm. and i keep seeing these posts which which essentially just piss me off when i see it like piss you off to an extent where you comment now there are certain things which you will get annoyed by right maybe you see somebody's uh facebook post and you find it slightly cringe worthy and you just move on right so there are there are posts which you ignore there mm. are posts that you comment on i know a lot of people don't comment but sometimes i can't stop myself so so i if i comment then i keep seeing the same thing right and after a while i, I realize that okay this when i log in i'm just getting annoyed and getting aggravated all the time then i started deliberately like you know following some other people or like you know uh, there's a friend of mine who keeps posting memes so i started like sharing memes and commenting there mm. then my facebook feed starts filling with memes more than anything mm. else right so now in either case right i didn't want to see only memes so i do mm-hmm. want to see posts like hers because it gives you a different perspective but i don't want to see only that right but i'm not getting a choice so it seems like i'm getting a choice but is it really a choice right? this is kind of like you go to a restaurant or a food court and there are so many options you look through everything and then you say yeah. okay i'll i'll pick this right so three times you pick some three dishes then from the next day you start getting variants of that dish and you're asked to choose from it right so it's not really a choice it's like a spiraling lack of choice you just keep being served more and more of the same thing in yeah. subtle variations which gives you the impression of choice but you're not the only thing you're choosing is to continue to engage continue to you know keep the keep the feed going basically yeah and it's uncanny that you take that example because the first line that i wrote when i was trying to understand this that we must understand algorithms like food <laughs> and only then do we really understand the concept of excess because mm. with food we understand the concept of excess because there's a physical trigger for you to mm. stop the mind has no physical trigger it has sometimes as in the eye strains or the mind just wants to switch off but the mind can't switch off sometimes because it's served with something new and then there's a dopamine release yeah something new and it keeps going on so it has the the tenacity of the mind to basically consume the excess 
when compared to your stomach is infinitely more and also so, we we are kind of uh, we have evolved to watch out for signs of danger right so even if mm. even if we hear a news about a murder in i don't know brunei or something right we will as human beings we that's that's what helped us survive in the past right like you hear about a threat from far mm. away you can plan for it so there's a Maybe, natural yeah. instinct for us to look out for that kind of information look out for right? even if we don't like it even if we are feeling overwhelmed we will yeah. still want to see it somewhere or if we see shown it we don't easily turn away true but i i feel that you know it's uh, what the example that you take is uh, more of the main course um but the problem is of the starters in some ways the <laughs> the starters are inconsequential things like people dancing to silly tunes or you know mouthing dialogues that you've heard in your when you were a kid um in silly situations right now on, on instagram is not consequential but effectively the only way to understand is that would you do that with food as in maybe in a buffet when you walk in that's the sight that you take in that people talk about uh, the longest buffet in town or something or sort where there are 150 things and you know you can enjoy yourself at uh, 799 unlimited blah 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 so you tend to basically go in with that thought as in 150 things are not uh, possible for you to consume so you pick and choose but here you can consume 150 things and not only 150 things you can consume 150000 things so it, it is important for us to you know keep that in mind that this is something that is prone to excess it's not prone to uh, moderation so when you moderate um it is important for you to basically see that as the only solution because the provider of it will never moderate because the provider of it wants you to come in and have a look and yeah. as long as you want to come in and have a look they will not moderate the incentives are all wrong to moderate so there are, the incentives are to give you more your incentive to basically if you are affected by it or we have not even started talking about the dark dark elements we just talking about the light uh, elements on top floating around if you have a problem with that the moderation is only in your control so it's not under the algorithm's control because they don't want to control it the incentives are not right so i i found that that's an interesting analogy that we wanted to talk about both of us i feel that that's that's how i sh- i think i should start looking at it because i i strongly believe that this is a business that is based purely on monetizing your psychology yeah so it's basically weaponized psychology it, or... it can become weaponized so it's i i um, um you know the similarity is uh, with the kitchen knife that you have the kitchen knife is very sharp but you yeah. you would rarely find the kitchen knife in any other part of the room, house right mm-hmm. as in because we tuned to not take the kitchen knife out of the kitchen because <laughs> subconsciously we think that that's it could be dangerous but so but you know it, there is a weapon angle to it but only if we allow it to and mm-hmm. that if we don't allow it to be it can't be a weapon and i'll give you a, a a simple example i think why i keep thinking in my head that there is a there is a you know there is a time when all of thing all of these things changed it, until 2016 facebook was quite open 
you could uh, look at conversations across facebook groups you could uh, look at algorithm at at uh, very simply as in in 2015 and 2016 i used to pride about the fact that i could curate my wall mm-hmm. i could basically select the people that i want to listen to and not listen to and i would be very proud of my curated wall because every day i would be exposed to multiple things that i have interest in and then i would look through them these would be business pages this would be interest pages these would be essential people who would share information um and i would get all of those on my feed but 2018 something changed 2018 they changed the the graph their um, uh, network graph and the resultant impact of that network graph was that organic content organic reach became zero hmm what that means for the uninitiated is that any page that you followed before that before that date you would get about 50 60% of that content on your page any which ways because you follow them so it would be a circle of people that you are connected to and you would get to know what these individuals are doing on a regular basis maybe you won't get 100% of their posts and comments and actions but you would get about 50 60% of their uh actions post 2018 that became 0% for business pages about 10% for friends and in that friends also they basically outlined who were close to you who were not close to you yeah according so to the, them <laughs> yeah according to them or according to your engagement they might have based it on the last 6 months data that you've yeah. not talked to a person so you're not interested in that person but that's not necessarily true right like sometimes the not people not necessarily yes yeah, absolutely you talk to the most are not the people you want to talk to yes. sometimes the and person you don't speak to is the one your, you want to your closest <laughs> friends it's very surprising that uh, bhavna i'm married to bhavna but i i don't receive any of her updates on facebook oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like same same for me <laughs> yeah it's like the those people are not really important for you let's uh, show you what uh, nitin gadkari is doing yeah. so <laughs> e- e- effectively that's why is that because the algorithm in some ways wanted to do two things make you a more engaged person as in, let's talk about the pros make you a more engaged person help understand you a little more deeply by yeah. looking at all your actions after that algorithm and trying to put tags on you so i am sure that uh, you know the algorithm is not open but i'm sure that uh, i might have a thousand tags attached to me at the facebook yeah. server level so that's me as an individual who interacts with data so how do i make this individual's interactions more useful Uh, for him or her and how do i monetize this so if i need to monetize this i now have the richest uh, data on kanishka chatterjee and sharachi c george and if i if anybody wants to market to them i need to market them through facebook because that's the richest amount of data the example that jumps up and hits me every day is when i open netflix and mm. i see tags like like exciting <laughs> i don't think exciting is a tag that i would basically uh, allocate to a action movie 
like we would talk about this but that's how the algorithm has been built that not only have they looked at action but they've associated 100 more words along with action and whichever word falls to whichever film and if i've seen this and i've given it a rating i've given it a thumbs up i get more exciting more more horrific more scary more uh, guns more bullets more fights whatever so it's a incremental activity that keeps happening and this is mind control this is psychological um, act- activities done on you without you actually understanding it maybe the the pros that you understand are that you will get better content but the cons are much deeper that you will be used to target uh, for targeting um uh, by organizations that are willing to pay these platforms and that is what uh, has been happening over the last uh, few years that you've been noticing a higher degree of personalized messages to you in the form of content yeah you're saying something so i think netflix is very confused by my profile and i am very confused <laughs> by netflix too because because we had this uh, yeah. like we had a single profile uh-huh. which me and my wife were using right. so i watch a certain type of movies she would watch a lot of uh, uh, korean uh, drama which i don't watch like more like rom coms and like korean movies uh, sometimes there are movies which both of us like okay mm. and so she would so the movies that i recommend usually the, when mm. we would go to a movie screen and watch it we would typically go go for those i mean now people will say i'm i'm <laughs> patriarch or something yeah. but no so she says that she likes watching those movies when she goes with me but if she's by herself she watches some other type of movie right now yeah. how does a platform catch us capture something like that right mm. so i have asked her like you know i've i've told her this is a good movie why don't you watch it she's like no no i like watching a certain type of watching movie when both of us go right and a certain type when i'm watching by myself right correct so that the algorithm doesn't get so no, what no. happens is that my profile is full of very confused recommendations <laughs> which neither appeal to me nor her because it's like the algorithm can't figure out the connection between <laughs> these two things right right and then later when i and when i went home i i logged in on the tv there and i watched uh, and my dad who only used to watch cable he saw some tamil movie that he liked uh, uh, he knows tamil uh, because he grew up mm-hmm. near the border so he started watching a lot of tamil movies which is completely a third type of taste okay so now my profile is completely crazy it's like the algorithm doesn't know what to do with us and we don't know what to do with it mm. <laughs> and it's it, it's uh, it, it's uncanny because that's exactly how i feel about netflix right now but i think i like it i like i like the fact that they're not very sharp at their telling me but yeah. my interest my interest is also ever evolving as yeah. i you know i don't know what i'm interested in seriously and not as in nobody should pretend that they know what i'm interested in in when cambridge analytica happened right the narrative around cambridge analytica was very simple that cambridge analytica knew more about these individuals than they did yeah then they themselves did so they their algorithm their example was very interesting they said if you engage with five videos Mm. I know fifty percent of what you want. I'm giving you an example. My numbers might be wrong, but the progression is exactly like this. If you saw ten videos that I gave you, 
or if you answer 10 questions that I gave you, I now know 90%. And in 90%, they said, I know as much as you do about yourself. And in 50%, in 90%, they say, I know as much as you do about yourself as your family does also. And if you answer 15 questions or 20 questions, then I know more about you than you could possibly know about yourself. Now, that might be true in terms of how I will behave on certain things. But when it comes to some simple things about watching a movie, I want it to be random also sometimes. I want to watch something that is really, you know, idiotic. But it's time pass in colloquial terms. So it's it's, uh, fine for me to watch it. I feel that should remain. And that has remained in Netflix, that randomness, and then nobody's really fixing it to that level because there's nothing to incentivize outside of what Netflix has to show you. Yeah, There is no other company who can buy, you know, space on Netflix and market to you. If they did that, Netflix would become much sharper. It would start yeah. slotting in when Sharad usually watches it. So there are two people who are watching this who are different. <laughs> it It would all come out, I'm telling you. Because they will try doing that at least because there's money, there's money to be earned. Right now, there's no money to be earned. So effectively, there's no incentive for them to do it. And Facebook does that on, on a day-to-day basis. I feel very strongly about the fact that the lesser you know, the more naive you are, the harder you fall on these algorithms. Because the algorithm's ability to categorize you on those naivety months that you're using it is so high that you've engaged on so much that it keeps improving its algorithm and it knows your addictions. And because of your addictions, if you, even if you want to correct the um, algorithm, sometimes we do is clear our friend list, clear our, uh, you know, uh, like list and start engaging with things on that. We really like to change the algorithm, to change the pages. But it knows deep in that there are certain triggers and it'll start throwing you those triggers. Maybe after you've changed the algorithm once in 10 times and then, then it gives you the trigger. Yeah. And then it gives you the trigger triggers, triggers, more triggers till you succumb again. And when you succumb, it'll come back in full glow. So it is, it is a, it is an artificial intelligence. It is not something that Mark Zuckerberg is doing at his house in an evil um, man cave. But it is a plethora of people who are wrongly incentivized. Because This is something I've noticed on Twitter for sure. Like uh, exactly what you said, right? So I try to clean up my feed. Uh, So yeah, actually this brings up another question. So personally, which social media channels do you find more aggravating, less aggravating. Mm. Because I was looking at the the whole whistleblower thing and uh, Instagram uh, and the harm it causes, right? So I was thinking about it. And for me personally, Instagram is probably the least harmful Mm. because I don't feel particularly bad after I use Instagram. I use it Mm. once in a while. I see some nice pictures and like, and there's no politics there. So, so I, the friend of mine keeps traveling around Kerala and posting pictures. I, I message him sometimes, you yeah. know, stuff like that, you know, yeah. mostly. And yeah, there's the occasional random dancing people, which I don't really understand how they got there. But mm. by and large, I use Instagram. I'm not aggravated. Mm. Facebook, like I said, sometimes it seems like it's just trying to, uh, you know, <laughs> put a wedge between you and certain people or showing me nonsense. Twitter is the one that 
annoys me the most because it's like every time i open twitter i get angry right you know it's there's this feeling of helplessness that i get after being on twitter yeah so i i tried unfollowing a few handles okay mm. but exactly like you said i don't get it immediately but like a few days later mm. i get one suggested post from the handle i unfollowed yeah saying you might like this something you like might this, like right? this yeah yeah so i find twitter to be the most aggravating right now second facebook instagram the least but what's your experience no my experience is uh, similar because obviously twitter hurts you deeply i think there are phases right of what you're doing with your life yeah. and what 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 you're interested in and that the phase will basically affect you more Correct. so whichever that phase is so right now words hurt us more Yeah, but for a teenager, that, maybe Instagram hurts more. Yeah, and that's the study that uh, Francis Haugen uh, released that teenagers' self-esteem uh, after being on platforms like Instagram dips, mm. dips horribly, and their self-worth decreases. They think that yeah. their life is uh, amounting to nothing. As in, there was a common um, joke that used to be uh, around in two thousand, I think sixteen, seventeen. when facebook was uh, as in we were also using facebook on a daily basis now we don't facebook has shifted to a generation up and uh, mombook yeah it's it's, <laughs> it's become mombook but, but effectively we've moved out of out of it because we're not really engaging with our friends on facebook anymore we might be doing that on whatsapp whatsapp groups now more so uh, the uh, the joke was that uh, you know everybody seems so happy on facebook right everybody's life is so much better in facebook and that's true in instagram as well that i don't think it manifests itself in you know us versus them in terms of known families and unknown families and you know your family and their and their lives and your life linkedin is another example of that that somebody has basically changed their position their their title is fancier their company is fancier mm-hmm. and you're not there anymore right so uh, it affects you it depends on the phase that you are in in life yeah but what it does is that there is a sense of underachievement that i think is omnipresent across everybody who's on instagram because uh, instagram dwells in doing something more aesthetically yeah or better a uh, dance better act better you know uh, sing better look better uh, take better photographs or whatever um share better stories so i feel that that angle of it gives you gives certain people a sense of underachievement as in what are you doing with your life kinds so it might affect you in a different way which is not very apparent twitter makes you very angry on the on the face of it yeah because it's helplessness that you feel after reading so much vile arguments and uh, senseless arguments on twitter because there's some argument to read through in instagram you might not be looking at those arguments they're happening in the comments but for that uh, instagram is thankfully difficult to use because you have to go to comments and you know leave that interface and go somewhere else so i feel you know it is dependent on the phase that you are in and the more you see all of those things uh, unaided because in youtube you might have to search for them but in instagram they come on top um you will be consumed by it so that that you know 
I read somewhere and somebody was talking about it in one of the classes that misinformation and dis or disinformation is distributed. Mm. Whereas content moderation is not distributed. <laughs> so content moderation is so sketchy and so patchy that not only uh, the, uh, uh, the people who are uh, running the show are not doing it, but people who are sitting at home are also not doing it. But yeah. whose responsibility is it? So my question is, whose responsibility is it to do content moderation? And that is where I think Francis Haujin and many more people have said the same thing. Is that, you know, if tobacco companies were not stopped by regulation, would they have, uh, you know, done better? As in, would they have uh, done good for the society on their own? <laughs> yeah, I think I think the the question that we have been sort of like, you know, coming to at different angles is should the algorithm be regulated or not, right? And mm. that's something that people don't really think about much. I know there are there are definitely many circles which are recommending that it be regulated. Mm. But the average person doesn't really think about it because somewhere it seems excessive when you hear it, right? And that's the reaction a lot of us have for many things where there is government interference. Mm. Uh, so, like, say, for example, one example that I can think of is when Uber had surge charges, right? So, it used to go very high. Even I was among the people who were happy when that got capped. Yeah. But then I realized that a lot of people had a very valid point, which I saw, uh, you know, play out in practice. Once the surge pricing went away, you don't get cabs. So, yes. earlier you would get a cab for 700 rupees maybe instead of 150 when you had an emergency. Correct. Now, you simply don't get that cab, right? Correct. So somewhere in our head, we always think that, okay, so in that case, people wanted the regulation uh, and then got something which was, uh, you know, counterproductive. But in other cases, people will say, oh, it's a free market, right? So you shouldn't regulate. But a free market is also not unregulated, right? Uh, so you do have regulations like you shouldn't form a monopoly. So it shouldn't be only one company running the show, which is kind of what is happening here, right? Not one company, but like you are explaining, each of right. these platforms are doing different things. So Twitter yeah. makes you angry with words, yeah. LinkedIn with achievements, Instagram with, I don't know, looks or travel or yeah. something like that, right? So in a way, they all have a monopoly on one part of our psychology. Psyche, yeah. Right? And they're the only game in play, right? I don't have a second Instagram, which is an actual valid alternative where the same people are there, where I feel, okay, you know what? Instagram is really annoying me. This is other platform where all the same friends are there, but it will annoy me less. I don't have that option. If you don't have that option, either the regulations should force that option, just like in free markets, you say that you can't have a monopoly or you should have like maybe start a different kind of regulation where if an algorithm is something that affects people so deeply in everything from their political choices to their mental well-being, like you were talking about earlier, maybe there's a extent to which you can personalize but maybe there should be a cap for it maybe there has to be a uh, some kind of requirement on revealing what exactly the algorithm selects for and then looking at whether that is okay or not now i don't think the companies should do that right the companies of course are incentivized to increase engagement not to reduce it to reduce harm or whatever even if they have some good intentions here and there but there has to be some kind of external mechanism to do that regulation which is the next complication because, of course, who does it? Right? The governments mm -hmm. have to do it. 
Now, I know that in the US, Congress has looked into it. I have some more faith that they will do it better. I have less faith in India because I think the Indian constitution was a miracle because people, now this is a personal opinion, right? But I think the Indian constitution was a miracle in a way because at that point you had excellent people, right? Who were freedom fighters or wanted wanted the good of the country uh, and they built things with that vision in mind. Yeah. Whereas right now, I don't think if you ask the government to regulate, they will regulate, but it's going to be for their own benefit more than anything else, which is exactly what is happening, right? Which now when they're saying that uh, social media channels have to follow the local rules. yeah, Yes, they're bringing rules. It sounds good, but there's many fishy things that they will say, okay, find the originator of a message uh, but we guarantee that we will not use it for any nefarious purposes. The due and course the, of law. The due course, due course of, of law. law what is the due course balances? of law? Yeah. Who Correct. is the check and balance? They never explain. Yeah. Right. Even RTI applications can't explain the who exactly do you mean by the check and balance. So very often the way they talk about it, due course of law, check and balance. And then when you look into it, it is somebody in the government only. <laughs> so what kind of second balance is it? So I feel the redressal system, and yeah, this is a very important point that you've raised. I feel this question about, you know, whether the algorithm should be regulated. To the example of, that you took about the Uber surge pricing, that's that's a perfect example of supply and demand, right? So you effectively cut out uh, demand for, uh, you know, uh, su- supply for it search pricing through pricing so yeah. you know effectively the demand will not get uh, people will not get cars because that the, is unnecessary there, there, there is no incentive yeah there's no incentive for that individual to basically ride through during the search pricing because there's search pricing is for a reason either it's yeah. rain or it's basically uh, traffic and if you want to ride in it your uh, there's no um, you know, payment for the extra effort that you're basically taking to drive in those conditions. So that that's that's simpler in my head. But I want to basically ask you a simple question, sir. And everybody else who's listening to this, I think they should ask themselves and people around it. How many deaths is it okay for us to, you know, uh, how many deaths are okay for us to accept which can be pinpointed and said that they're due to social media. How many deaths are okay? Is it one? Is it a hundred? Is it a 1000 number of people who died because of uh, some amount of writing that was caused through Facebook groups, WhatsApp groups? Because if there is uh, uh, a weapon in our society that is as severe as uh, this in spreading misinformation, how many deaths should we accept before any kind of regulation? Because if there is no regulation, then there should not be any regulation on traffic as well. Because traffic at the end of the day is a free society of people moving from one end to the other. It's their right to go from one place to the other. And if you don't have to wear a helmet, it's your bike. You don't have to wear a seatbelt. It is your car. So what is it? As in what, where does the buck stop? Who takes the responsibility? 
and what does that responsibility mean is i think a you know wider bigger question as in in terms of the one that you were talking about in terms of you know what should be the mechanisms and the modalities of that regulation who does it but if the people representatives which is the judiciary uh, the le legislature um, does not step in here and work with the judiciary and the executive branches and the information branches to active participation through active participation bring in regulation here then a lot of this will get still get unchecked in my head i, I was thinking about this this is a you know this is a spoiler for whoever has not seen squid game i haven't finished it yeah so don't <laughs> i'm not going to talk about like the entire thing but what is the squid game as in everybody's known saw right like saw the movie that yeah. came out years back it was a big movie then um, squid games pretty much the same concept in some ways like you put people in a uh, in a closed environment and you ask them to fight against each other to win yeah so any kind of continuation of talking about you know how to improve the algorithm how to improve this and that is just another strategy to improve how to kill better in some ways <laughs> so as in until unless the squid games is broken this will continue right so, yeah, so in my head the squid game is uh, is the algorithm the over dependence of personalization and the over dependence of facebook or any other social media trying to tag you because the incentive is not on you know it's not for the user it is yeah. for them to monetize so i am not i am no sharper by all the ai around me sorry i i disagree because i am no as in yesterday i was transferring my um, uh, photos from my apple macbook i wanted to sell that old junk piece that i had and buy something else which is usable and when transferring photos uh, apple automatically characterizes faces and creates small files of faces yeah. right we all know that try removing them try removing those files you will realize that if you have 20000 files 9000 of them are face files oh and 9000 of those face files i'm not able to remove easily <laughs> and what is the use of them that some days when i want in in a good mood once in 12 months or twice in 12 months i can click on a face and look at all the photos around that face right that's the use of it but that's a but relatively harmless it's you know, no no i'm just giving you a harmless yeah. it became painful for me because i was transferring this mm -hmm. but that's i'm saying that's harmless but that's also useless in some ways in me for me as in i don't find that feature to be useful that it changed my life but maybe that let's give it like let's uh, let's give it 5 points or 10 points for giving me some amount of happiness what is the 5 point 10 point happiness that twitter and instagram explore is giving me i don't know yeah the cons outweigh the pros by you know 10 is to 1 Yeah, so some other things. I mean, again, I'm not an expert at all in algorithms, but some things that come to mind in terms of what can be done. One, like you said, right? So right now the algorithm is definitely doing machine learning and trying to optimize for certain outcomes. Whether that's okay, a like might have a certain weightage, a comment might have usage. more. Active, active usage. usage. 
yeah if you actively engage more weight is so yes. i don't know what's the best way to do this but there has to be some studies or something that they do where yeah. well being has to be taken into consideration maybe you do it on a sample of people like that example where you said right a researcher was asked to engage so yeah, maybe is, ask people right yeah. like ask people how do you feel like you know I, it's not as easy uh, because the other thing can be done on millions of people this will need yeah. to be done on a smaller group yeah. but i think there has to be some requirement of so i think it there is no question of the algorithm going away right? the algorithm will have to stay because you have too much content the question is what all things can the algorithm classify you by can it classify you by every single thing is that ethical or there or do, you know are there certain cutoffs in these are five things that you do not characterize maybe you do not characterize or tag race right or sexuality i don't mm. know. maybe maybe there's a valid reason to tag it also i don't know but i'm saying yeah. maybe there are certain things you do not tag that yeah. could be one way of regulating it the other could be some some kind of requirement that the algorithm design factors in things like well being Mm. right now like you said there is no there is no uh, transparency right it's a completely opaque algorithm yes maybe there has to be some some common framework or standards for what algorithms can do and shouldn't do rather than everybody making their algorithm which is completely opaque so yeah. it's it's kind of similar to say when you have an election process right when now candidates are free to campaign in any way they want but you do keep certain rules in place right don't give people money for votes that's not legitimate don't uh, advertise like you know on the day of the campaign of course our prime minister will violate it but hmm. but technically you're so you know even in something as free as an election there are certain rules in terms of what are things you are not supposed to do to convince people similarly i think there has to be certain rules or limitations in terms of what an algorithm can do or shouldn't do like a model code of conduct for algorithms maybe no i agree as in that that's i think that is where the conversation was moving towards but the consideration here is that um in francis haugen haugen's uh, opening statement she particularly said that i have worked for 20 or 15 years in in social media platforms across social media platforms she was in google she was in pinterest and then facebook and one more and she said that what i found in facebook was that it was the worst of the kind because of a simple reason since the 2018 algorithm change they've become a complete black box google mm-hmm. hasn't you can actually write papers on google's algorithms you can download stuff from the internet in terms of the servers you can see how the algorithm works and try to hypothecate uh you know how that algorithm works Isn't it proprietary Google's algorithm? I thought is not fully. No, no. So you can understand. Try to understand it. Maybe hmm. I'm sure that some part of these algorithms are all hidden. As in, yeah. I'm sure nobody wants to give away their secret sauce of how to make it, right? So that's not going to happen. But effectively, it will understand. You can understand how the graph functions. You can understand how the algorithm functions. Maybe there are minute details which are competitive in nature, and you don't give that out. Hmm. But Facebook is completely choked. Okay, yeah. that's first thing. So how do you understand it? That's the double blindness that we were talking about earlier. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know in terms of what exists. So if you don't know what it exists, then what exists, then you don't can't really solve it. So the problems that we need to solve 
you will only get the idea of the problems once you see what problems are getting caused so th- that brings us to the second topic that you were talking about about research on well being mm. that research is possible only when independent individuals have access to what the algorithm does so if francis haugen had not released this bangalore incident this was not released yeah this was done by facebook on their own account and the 21 day thing was this was a woman from haryana uh, from uh, hyderabad living in jaipur so that that example was also basically drawn out in terms of where you from and what you where are you right now and then what information you're giving so th- the level of experiment the control variables all of them are being done by facebook themselves but the repercussion of that is that whatever the outcome i will choose growth over what the study tells me <laughs> so who should be able to research on these things yeah. people should be able to research on this thing and the third point that i want to bring is that whose data is this it is your data and my data why aren't my netflix tags available for me to see it is my tags at the end of the day i thought you can download data now right after the facebook uh, you can't you can i don't like, uh, i no, mean no, i don't know what tags, level it does but yeah so yeah. facebook tags that facebook has given me tags i don't know i can't download that data all the tags so after the whole gdpr thing they did put in some download option but you're, uh, you're not in gdpr attributes. so i could you, download it once but i don't i didn't really dig deep and uh, i don't know how deep it shows advertising yeah. can be so who can yeah. advertise to you and what your overall uh, interests are yeah but the so the interest is list the is thing, right? algorithm is not revealed like how does the algorithm really like tailor it for you that of course will not get downloaded anyways yeah but the algorithm works on tags of what you will engage with and what you will engage more with so when you are given a interest list right mm-hmm. there is no ranking of the interest list okay facebook understands there is a ranking of your interest list you might be interested in interested in uh, romantic movies but you might be more interested in action is what um, netflix knows about you mm. right but when they give it to you they might give you everything yeah right so the algorithm is not open to understanding it Uh, sorry the uh, you know the interest list is not open for you to understand that second it also does not tell me how i am monetized because when i am monetized between let's say 25 to 45 all male in india in north india interests in politics or interests in sociology right and my name crops up but along with that when i do facebook marketing i have to choose other interests as well sub interests as well otherwise my universe of targeted population is going to be very wide so yeah. i try to narrow it down and when i narrow it down it will choose either me or you depending on the prox uh, the proximity to the interest or the prominence of that interest in my overall interest bucket so who's going to give me that prominence it's only facebook who has that prominence i don't have that so whose yeah. data is that 
once I get access to my own data, the regulation should be to give me my data, all kinds of data, all cuts of data, because that's my data, essentially. Right? If you want me to charge for it and monetize it through me, let's see how it works. Because at that point of time, it will become impossible for them to run this uh, covert monetization principle. And we talk about Facebook much more than, you know, uh, we've given them uh, a lot of, in, as in at least I have given them a lot of importance during this conversation. Um, because I feel that they are the most opaque. Yeah. And they're trying to basically now pivot on another uh, uh, concept of becoming a metaverse rather than becoming a social media platform. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg uh, you know, uh, is thinking allegedly of uh, opening up another company uh, which is going to be the uh, all-encompassing organization and another organization that is going to be, that is going to be uh, dabbling in reality. Uh, virtual reality and augmented reality. So it, this is not uh, new. Earlier companies um, in tobacco, companies in um, you know um, oil companies have rebranded themselves when the old name has uh, got uh, you know embroiled in some controversy here and there, or got a name that can't be really wiped off. So this is these are old tricks that new companies will continue to utilize until unless the incentives are right until unless the uh, there is some amount of interest by the people at large in controlling their data in managing their data and in understanding how algorithms function in our real life because youtube also does the same uh, instagram is again facebook but twitter also does the same snapchat also does the same they are all algorithm based and they will try to create more engagement for you so that you are on their network active for longer than you were yesterday. So that's the, that's the deal. So in when, the meantime, right? I mean, everything that we've spoken about in terms of need for regulation, that is of course something which governments have to do or, you know, uh, people can be aware, but at the end of the day, there's nothing that any of us can do today. Right? So, if we want to close on something, right? Is there, what can we do? Like, so yeah. as a social media user, how mm. can you use social media in a way that is beneficial for you and not harmful? Like, do you want to talk about that? I, I, I think the answers will be I have a varied. few ideas. I was thinking yeah. about this and I, I have practiced this before. And one strategy we've talked about before as well, curate your wall, unfollow people as much as possible. Don't unfollow people necessarily. Unfollow their posts. Unfollow their conversations. Unfollow their activities. You could do that across social media. Every social media gives you an option of continuing to be friends with somebody and continuing to be, um, you know... Um, mute or unfollow. Post, yeah, right? mute or unfollow posts. You can do that. Secondly, I would say that what really gets you riled up? So politics gets me riled up and, you know, apathy, apathy gets me riled up. If, if I can control some of these channels and not have them on my social media, it'll be helpful, actually. Because outside of information, the maximum amount of 
heartburn and uh, you know uh, rabid conversations come from these channels that are tuned to give you more of what you want so i would say that start start looking at your social media again very objectively start uh, trimming down the number of people that you follow start looking at the algorithm in a new way that it will give you more of what you are addicted to so stop your addictions identify your addictions if you are addicted to certain things like politics or it might be uh, you know uh, tv stars it might be fitness it might be all of those pieces try to curb them try to not basically go into an excess mode so try not to enter this buffet eat at a restaurant order in order two dishes and start eating because you will be much more healthier if you are in control of what you are eating rather than being in a, a you know candy store all the time throughout the day because if you are in a candy store you will eat overdose on sugar so that's my take on this okay so so mine might seem a little crude or simplistic but simplest thing that i've done is i've turned off notifications on all my social media apps but that itself doesn't do it because sometimes you keep opening it to mm. like keep say refreshing the feed right uh so i haven't found like perfect situation so on facebook like you said sometimes it's unfollowing but what i'm not been able to do is you can unfollow somebody right but but how do i make facebook show me posts of an old friend who i haven't interacted with in a while right that's what i want to see but there is no way for me to really see it but what i've tried to do sometimes is in the rare instance when i do see their post i actually engage like i i you know if maybe not just a like i'll i'll put one comment and that one comment then starts making me see those posts more and more and that's the only way i can i've been able to do it for friends and then in terms of pages i've tried following different pages so i tend to oppose uh, the current ruling regime and bjp but Mm. I follow Swarajya Mag and in fact at one point they gave me a top fan badge <laughs> <laughs> just for commenting but mm. it is actually pretty good you know like i mean not that i agree with the stuff that they say but it is good to see a different perspective because you realize that you have not been getting that perspective unless it's in a twitter fight with somebody right yeah so sometimes it's good to just see okay there is one post there is another post and i don't have to react to it and that's the that's the thing that i've been trying to tell myself where especially on twitter it gives you this feeling that you're either helpless or you have to react but you keep reacting and you're still helpless right so i i try not to react now or mm-hmm. or if it none of this works i just basically like sometimes i delete the apps for a week and then like reinstall it so that week actually makes you realize that ha huh, i didn't actually miss it as much as i thought so your muscle memory will make you try and open it and when you realize the app is not there chances are you'll move on to something else and one week later you'll kind of realize that i didn't really miss it and i'm less angry right after that i reinstall it and then i try not to engage too much twitter especially i stop scrolling i open it sometimes something yeah. specific when i realize that i'm scrolling further and further i i'm just stopping and like closing the app now so that's <laughs> what i've tried instagram i don't really have anything because like i said instagram doesn't affect me too much but for somebody else it might be a very different experience so i don't on uh, unfortunately don't have any personal uh, opinions on that no i and uh, 
as you were talking it made me think we are all playing it we are all playing the squid game so <laughs> there is uh, we have to understand one thing that when the research behind getting you to see another video or another post comes through deep deep behavioral research and your own bio signals you must ask very clearly what options do you have to fight or control your natural instincts it is the toughest fight possible yeah. it's not the easiest thing to do it is the toughest thing to do is to manage your own content which is the easiest thing on your ear <laughs> it is actually the toughest fight possible so on that note i think we should basically end this and next week or a fortnight away from here we will talk about associated angle on this which is how personalization is sold to marketing companies by a multitude of analytics firms today so let's talk about that in our next session great perfect thanks shark bye thanks everybody bye